Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 760 for the 10th of September, 2021. This week, when a computer problem continues to re-emerge after each attempt to fix it, users have a couple of choices. Buy a new computer and all new peripherals, a bit expensive perhaps, or keep looking for the cause of the issue, a bit time-consuming. In short circuits, heat kills electronics, but computer manufacturers keep cramming more components into smaller spaces and running them at faster speeds, so keeping a computer cool can be a challenge. Are you looking forward to Windows 11 with anticipation or concern? Much remains the same. Some changes appear to be based on the Mac OS, and you will undoubtedly find features you hate among those you like. In spare parts, only on the website, the dangers of supply chain attacks aren't limited to businesses. Even home computer users can be caught in malware from scammers. Virtual reality headsets. Facebook thinks users should wear them. Are you in or out? And 20 years ago, Digital Equipment Corporation had been absorbed by Compaq in 1998, and I was wondering if anybody still remembered the one-time leader in mini computers. When your computer has a serious problem and you think you found the solution, but the problem then re-emerges, there's really only one choice. Keep looking. I thought I had found the root cause of an elusive problem in June after several weeks of tinkering. Perhaps there is another option to continuing the research. Simply replace the computer and all its peripherals. That's not a good solution, though, even if you can afford to do it. I described my primary computer's instant crashing problem previously and in great detail on the podcast from the 25th of June. That's when I thought I had found the root cause of the problem, only to be proved wrong and then continuing to investigate it until I was absolutely certain that I had really found and fixed the problem. Wrong again. The computer did run more or less normally all through July although it sometimes was a little sluggish. In the second week of August, though, the immediate power-off crashes began to happen again and again. The computer wouldn't boot if a USB hub was attached, and that's a problem I'd seen before and thought I'd fixed it by replacing what seemed to be a failed USB hub with a new hub. It seemed clear that the problem was related to one or more of the USB hubs or devices, but which ones? So I detached everything except the most essential devices, a four-bay disk stack, the mouse, and the keyboard. I also removed the computer from its dock, which meant that I could run only one monitor in addition to the built-in notebook screen. Because of the computer's location, I no longer had an Ethernet connection, but Wi-Fi was okay because the computer was less than three feet from the router. The external sound system wasn't available, so I couldn't record any audio. I also couldn't use any of the scanners. 
The desk was even more cluttered than usual, which is something I considered to be impossible. But the computer booted quickly and seemed more responsive. Before one of the crashes, I had observed CPU temperatures in excess of 90 degrees centigrade. That's clearly in the danger range. In fact, it's approaching TJ Maxx, not the store. Thermal junction maximum. At that point, the computer would automatically throttle itself back. With the peripherals detached, temperatures hovered around 50 degrees centigrade. Additionally, I also no longer saw instances in which all eight CPU cores reported 100% use. TJ Maxx, the thermal junction maximum, that's the temperature at which the CPU should slow down to avoid damage. For the Intel Xeon CPU E3 1505M version 5 running at 2.8 gigahertz, TJ Maxx is 100 degrees centigrade. Any temperature over 80 degrees is troubling, and 90 degrees or above is a clear sign of trouble. But what was causing that? And I wondered, was the CPU actually reaching 100 degrees centigrade, and instead of throttling, was the CPU just shutting down? Some USB device still seemed to be the likely underlying cause of the problem, but I have a lot of USB devices. Before being able to conclude the problem really was caused by one of the disconnected USB devices, I needed to let the computer run for at least a few days to confirm that the problem was no longer there. On day one, there were no problems with the USB hub disconnected. Using the computer was beyond inconvenient, particularly for applications I had set up to use two monitors. On day two, there were no problems, but I needed to use some of the disconnected USB devices. The computer has a limited number of USB ports, two on the back and two on the right side. Late in the day, I disconnected the local backup drive and used that port for the Focusrite Sapphire audio device to see if it would operate properly. It did. I then ordered a four-port, non-powered hub from Anchor. Maybe the powered hub from Sabrent was creating a problem because of the computer's powered USB ports? And no, that didn't really seem likely. After all, a well-made hub shouldn't be a problem. But a non-powered hub certainly wouldn't be a problem. I wanted to have the computer back in its dock by day four so that I'd have both monitors available again. On day three, I examined device drivers and registry entries while waiting for something to go wrong, or not, and I found device drivers and registry entries for a Cronus True Image backup and some leftover references to Kaspersky applications. I had removed both of those applications because they caused operational problems, but components remained and were still running. I decided additional research would be needed to determine how to remove those components, but that wasn't going to happen until the computer was back in its dock. Temporarily disconnecting the Focusrite Sapphire USB sound device, I was able to connect the disks used for weekly local backups and complete the usual Wednesday backups. Backups, by the way, are essential, and I think that's even more true when there are ongoing performance problems. By the end of day three, the computer was back in its dock with a limited number of USB devices attached directly to the computer or to the dock. I had reattached a Western Digital Drive for local daily backups. The keyboard and mouse AB switch, which allows me to switch those devices between the Windows computer and the Mac, an Orico 4-bay disk stack, and the Focusrite Sapphire 6 USB audio device. 
Those are the devices that are pretty much critical to my operation. I began testing the computer in that configuration with the newly arrived four-port unpowered anchor hub attached, but with no peripherals attached to the hub. On day four, I connected Blu-ray and DVD drives to the new hub, and the problems did not reoccur. I then added the audio headset, a film scanner, and a flatbed scanner to the dock. I also updated Google Backup and Sync to Google Drive for Desktop. This could be considered bad form by introducing new variables, but Google's documentation suggested that the new application simply added some features to existing technology. The computer continued to perform normally with the Sabrent 10-port 60-watt USB 3.0 hub disconnected. Sabrent technical support wanted a video showing the computer crashing. How could I do that? And what would a video really show? Well, the computer was operating properly with the Sabrent device out of the picture, and I had no real desire to attach it again. Sabrent technical support seemed to be attempting to create enough frustration that the buyer simply gives up in disgust. Following a long series of back-and-forth messages and threats to involve both Amazon and the Better Business Bureau, Sabrent tech support passed the issue to customer service, and the customer service representative immediately approved a refund. So, at this point, I was thinking... When you've eliminated all which is impossible, then whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. Arthur Conan Doyle wrote that in a casebook of Sherlock Holmes. The problem continued not to occur on days 5, 6, and 7. There have been several false starts in diagnosing this problem, but it appeared that the final answer was the fault was with the Sabrent 10-port powered hub. Previously, I thought the device I'd installed a few years ago had simply gone bad, but the replacement device created the same problems, so logic suggested that the problem was really deeper than a single failing device. Is this the end of the problem? Well, no, not quite. But it's close. I'll continue the tale in short circuits. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, heat is the enemy of every electronic device. Too much of it can cause premature failure, and notebook computers run hot. That's simply a function of cramming a lot of small parts into a minimal amount of space and then using quiet fans or no fans to keep the noise level down. That is an issue I had considered in trying to sort through the primary computer's problems. After nearly a week with no problems, the crash returned. The computer did its immediate power-off trick again. Two additional clues appeared. First, restarting the computer immediately always led to another crash, almost immediately. But normal operation ensued if I waited an hour or so. Second, the computer was very busy when it crashed. I was running an image backup of drive C when an automatic backup of my user directory kicked off. 
A lot of files from drive C were being copied to two different drives. That was a lot of work for the CPU to manage the activity. Although CPUs should throttle back performance if overheating is a problem, a steep rise in temperature that occurs quickly might cause it to simply shut down. I had been concerned about heat before, but now it had become my primary focus. Normally, the notebook computer runs with the cover closed. That traps heat inside the case. The computer also sits flat on the desk, and that might be holding in additional heat. The air inlet vents were clear, so were the fans, but the temperatures reported by Speccy were troubling. The computer also sits in a docking station made by the computer manufacturer, and the dock blocks some of the air inlet louvers. I wondered what would happen if I ran the computer with the case open, and if I elevated it slightly from the desk. With the case open, and the computer sitting on a Lapworks folding desktop device, the numbers from Speccy looked better, and I wasn't seeing additional crashes. Speccy doesn't have an option for logging system readings, though, and it's hard to work on a project while watching a monitoring application. The free open hardware monitor shows more information than Speccy does, and it provides a logging option. So I downloaded it and ran it after using an aluminum laptop stand to place the computer about five inches above the desk. And by the way, if you'd like to try open hardware monitor, there's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Follow that link and you'll be able to download it. Again, it's free. Those two changes, opening the case and providing some space below the computer between it and the desk, provided more opportunities for heat to escape from the computer. The computer's dock, made by the computer manufacturer, still inexplicably blocks some of the air inlet louvers. So, thanks Lenovo, I can't really do anything about that. Opening Photoshop Creative Cloud had previously pushed all of the CPU cores to temperatures in excess of 90 degrees, but only one core reached 90 degrees with the case open and the computer not sitting on the desk. Better still, all four cores quickly returned to normal range for this computer. Now, normal for this computer is in the 70 to 85 degrees Celsius range. That is uncomfortably hot, but acceptable. There are still instances of core 1 reaching 95 degrees centigrade, and that's just 5 degrees centigrade short of the thermal junction maximum. Perhaps the computer has actually been exceeding TJ Maxx, and that's possibly what had been causing the computer to shut down so abruptly. Core 1 running hotter than the other three cores might be an indicator of an incipient CPU failure. All four cores were running with average temperatures under 65 degrees centigrade during a test that sampled temperatures every five seconds for several hours. But Core 1's maximum temperature was nearly 10 degrees Celsius, or 18 degrees Fahrenheit, higher than the other three cores. I'm hoping to keep this computer running until the current chip shortage is resolved and computers are shipping at reasonable prices with Windows 11. In the interim, I'm following the procedures that I learned the hard way in the 1980s when computers could be expected to crash several times a day. Press Control S at the end of every paragraph when working with words, and following every significant change when working with any other data type. This ensues minimal data losses, because even I can remember the last paragraph I wrote 
or the last big change I made to a digital image or a podcast recording. Some Windows users consider the next few months with equal parts of anticipation or dread as Microsoft prepares to roll out Windows 11. Only one of my computers will be able to run Windows 11, and it's already been updated. My primary computer and a secondary Windows system are not eligible for the new operating system. What about your computers? We already know that Windows 11 has very specific hardware requirements that a lot of current computers don't meet. If that's your case, you'll still be able to continue running Windows 10 until 2025. Even computers that meet or appear to far exceed specifications for Windows 11 might be excluded by the computer's CPU. To find out if your computer's CPU is supported, check Microsoft's website for Intel CPUs or AMD CPUs. If your CPU model is not listed, you will not be upgrading to Windows 11. And if you need to find out what CPU model is in your computer, you don't have to disassemble the computer. Just go to Settings, System, About, and you'll find the processor listed right there. I've been working with Windows 11 on a touchscreen tablet for a while. There's a lot that remains the same, some improvements, and a few changes that I do not like. The taskbar must remain at the bottom of the screen and cannot be adjusted to allow more than a single layer of icons. This is at the top of my don't like list. Not because the taskbar has to stay at the bottom of the screen, although some users prefer it at the top or even on the left or right, but because it severely limits the number of icons that can be placed there. I use the taskbar for dozens of frequently used applications because it's faster than using the start screen. Windows 11 ruins that by making the taskbar a lot more like the Mac OS dock. Widgets have returned in a special panel. Users can add widgets that display information such as weather forecasts, stock prices, and other bits of data that might be useful, but not so useful that the user wants to run an extra app to see it. Microsoft has tried widgets before. People didn't care for the approach. So now they've copied the Mac OS approach. You might see a trend there. I haven't made much use of widgets yet, but the current selection is rather limited. We'll see. Those who have computers that connect to multiple monitors when they're in a docking station will be delighted by Windows 11's memory feature. Disconnect a monitor and all of the applications that were on that monitor will be placed on your single remaining monitor. Now that's not new. Windows 10 did that. Windows 11, though, should remember where those applications were on any additional screens and restore them when the monitor is available again. This is a most welcome feature. My Windows computer is hardly ever out of its dock, but I also have a Mac connected to these screens, and switching between the Windows computer and a Mac OS computer sometimes causes the Windows computer to lose track of one monitor, and when I switch back to Windows, I have to rearrange all the apps. So if this works, I'm going to love it. Touch screens should work better with Windows 11. When the operating system is running on a computer with a touch-enabled screen, icons and other touch points are supposed to be larger and easier to use. And we'll see how that works out. 
Translucent panels will return with Windows 11. Microsoft tried that with Arrow in Windows 10, and most people turned it off because it created serious performance problems. The start screen, for example, will be partially transparent. Users can determine how transparent. And Android apps will run on Windows 11. This will make a huge number of apps that people use on their Android phones available when they're using their computer. The Android apps won't be served by the Google Play Store, though. Instead, you'll use the Amazon App Store. That arrangement probably made sense to somebody. Somewhere. Sometime. There's no need to visit the Google Play Store or the Amazon Apps Store to see spare parts. Just go to the TechBiter Worldwide website, and this week you'll find these articles. The dangers of supply chain attacks aren't limited to businesses. Even home computer users can be caught in malware from scammers. Virtual reality headsets. Facebook thinks users should wear them. Are you in or out? And 20 years ago, Digital Equipment Corporation had been absorbed by Compaq in 1998, and I was wondering a few years later if anybody still remembered the one-time leader in mini-computers. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.